It was a church that's been in existence for 25 years. We just want to stop and give thanks to God for his continued faithfulness to us. Uh, Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Meaning that all of our efforts, for instance, establishing and continuing a church, are only meaningful to the extent that God actually brings flourishing. And so we stop and give thanks to him for his work. Well, if you're visiting with us today, um, sorry, this is not a normal service, but I hope you enjoy this peek into our life together. Uh, but if you're a regular here at Christ Covenant, maybe you've been here a while, maybe you're new, but you regularly attend here, I just ask you to consider, when did you come to Christ Covenant? Uh, what was it that brought you here? And how has God used this body uh, to demonstrate his faithfulness in your life? How have you seen God's work in your life uh, through this body of believers? How has he used the people gathered in this room for good in your life? Um, We want to hear from a few different perspectives, some different members of the church on that question. How has God used this church in your life for good? Uh, So we're going to hear from nine different perspectives this morning. There's several testimonies of God's faithfulness. And uh, the first comes by way of video, actually, from Charles Moore, who is uh, a pastor elsewhere now. But he was the pastor who led this church in its infancy 25 years ago and uh, has sent a greeting. And then we'll hear from a number of members of the church, uh, some who have been around for a longer time and some who have come more recently, about God's faithfulness expressed through this body. 25 years Happy anniversary, Christ Covenant Church of Raleigh. We are so excited for you. I am so excited for you. We wanted to be there so badly. It just was not God's plan for this year. But we are with you in spirit and so excited about this milestone in the life of Christ Covenant Church. Thinking back 25 years ago, what did we know? Well, we didn't know exactly what we were doing. Okay, let's be honest. We didn't know much at all about what we were doing, but God certainly did. He had in mind a new thing in Raleigh. I think about Isaiah 43:19. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I love that verse. And in many ways, it describes what God was doing back then, putting together this church that none of us could have imagined. It's so exciting to see what he's doing there now and to hear of all the good things the Lord is doing and the continued grace that he's pouring out upon your fellowship and even upon the mission congregation that you've uh, given birth to. We are just thrilled about what's happening. I remember it wasn't always easy, especially in the beginning. We had no idea how it was all going to come together. We had no idea how it was going to be financed. We had no idea about a lot of things, but the Lord had it all figured out. I remember being personally discouraged on one particular day and Julia Hardy saying, Chaz, if the Lord has called you to preach the gospel, that's a door that no man can shut. I'll never forget that. And I was encouraged uh, from that moment on. So much love in that place. So much grace in that place. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for allowing me to make many mistakes. Thank you for grace upon grace upon grace. God loved me through you. And I will never forget all the wonderful times we shared together. When I think about Christ Covenant Church, I think about John 1:14, full of grace and truth. That's, of course, a description of the Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus. But it's also a description of you. Uh, in my mind, that's what your congregation stands for. Truth and grace, not 
in conflict with each other or in opposition to each other, not hold back on the truth so we can do big on the grace or the other way around, but full of grace and truth. So excited to be part of this celebration, even if only by video. Uh, We're there with you in our hearts. We send our love and our joy in Jesus Christ. Happy, happy anniversary to each one of you. May God's grace be yours in abundance today and every other day that Christ allows us to live for his honor and glory. Thank you. Happy anniversary. We are Jeff and June Eason, and we've been members for 25 years. Uh, I remember the first time our group got together was Father's Day in June of 1989 at the Raleigh Boy Choir off Ridge Road in Raleigh. We were 35 or so. Um, I think we were like the group that gathered around Ezra in the Old Testament where it says, Then then gathered unto me all who tremble at God's word. Um, Oh, we did, yes, we we did faithfully hear the word of God that morning as well. Um, In the weeks and months that followed, um, we met, we prayed, we planned, we organized, and we officially became a church. Uh, in November of, of that year. And all that time, God's word was faithfully proclaimed from this pulpit uh, every Sunday morning. And uh, this has continued to this very day. Uh, and I think it's a testimony of God's faithfulness, not just to that group in 1989, but to everyone that God has brought into this fellowship in the years since. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Thank you. My name is Beverly Perry, and this is Bob, and we have had the privilege of being members of Christ's Covenant Church, formerly known as Christian Life Fellowship, for 25 years. And God has used this church in the development of my love for him in many ways. Through these past 25 years, I've just especially uh, seen God's faithfulness, and that certainly has increased my love for him and my faith in him. He had a plan that we didn't understand at first, and he raised up a people, and he's continued to raise up people all these years at different intervals of times and equip them in various ways to carry out his plans for his church. We've heard it said many times at Christ's covenant that God does not call the equipped, but he does equip those that he calls. And I've certainly seen that walked out in this body, which just gives me great joy and leads me to praise and worship that we can rejoice in his faithfulness today and his plans of calling this church 25 years ago. And for me, as I just especially reflect on our many partnerships over these years in the kingdom work, right here in Raleigh and South America, down the road at Roseville at our church plant, Clifton, New Jersey, Jordan, and all the outworking of that ministry in China and Haiti and Ecuador, if you just think about it, and and not to leave out the refugee ministry right here in this church. And also to go along with that, I just want to quickly speak of how the ministry of the people of Christ's Covenant Church um, just has given me a greater devotion to Christ. And this is a true saying, from the very first day to this present day, I've experienced the members of this church body truly being the hands and feet of Jesus. 
as I've seen them and many times been convicted by them as they have selflessly loved, as you have selflessly loved God's people and God's world, all for God's glory. It's been an amazing thing to watch as God equipped the different members of this body all these years, some of whom have already gone home to be with the Lord as the Lord has carried out his plans and labor for the kingdom. God has used them, has used you and my life to sharpen me and to encourage me in the faith as I continue on my walk from glory to glory. (laughs) I uh, guess during the past 25 years, I've come to really understand what reformed means. And not so much, you know, I'm asked a lot of times, well, is your church reformed? I said, somewhat reformed, yes. I said, but I am really reformed. (laughs) I said, the church has reformed me, and it truly has over the past 25 years. You know, I used to think that I had to, it was what I did that really brought me salvation. But it's really what God has done. He called me out of darkness. And, uh, and, and because of that, I now look forward to the day when I meet him in heaven. You know, I don't worry about, well, what am I going to say? Because I'll be on my knees, I know, when, I, when I'm there before him, praising him. But I do uh, want to thank Pastor Tom especially. During the last 15 years that he's been here, the teaching and the preaching that he's done, because it, it has really caused my whole thought process to be changed to the fact that now it's all about him. It's all about God. All about my Lord and Savior Jesus. And uh, so now I can truly stand here and say that I can't wait for that day when I'm standing before him. And... Uh, I I do credit this church, and looking back, it has been just a wonderful time in my life, and I thank God for it. My name is Levy Regalado, and I've been with Christ Covenant Church for 21 years, and I must say that one of the first faces that I saw when I first came to worship was Bob's, smiling at me the same way he was at all of you this morning. Now, there are so many things I'm grateful for, for Christ Covenant Church, but if I were pressed to say, give me just one, I would say that it, it is the desires. The desire has always been there to put the spotlight on God and His glory. And that has been the primary reason for, for my personal growth in my love for Him. And God's glory is emphasized not only in the breaking of the Word, week after week, but in the focus of each ministry that people in our body participate in and are blessed by. I mean, I, when my family first moved to Raleigh back in late 93, we thought uh, we would have no problem finding a church home. Looking back, I realized that I didn't even know what we were looking for in a church until we found what... Um, Beverly mentioned was then
Christian Life Fellowship. And that was uh, an eye-opener for us to hear a service, a gospel, and preaching that was God-centered rather than man-centered. And while this focus on God and his character and his glory, uh, I'm not saying it's unique to our church. Uh, Of course it's not. But to find a local body that has that, uh, it's not as easy as it may sound. And uh, because of this, I am grateful to be part of Christ Covenant Church all these years. And that's not to pat ourselves on the back, but rather that's my attempt at testifying to God's grace to our body to give us leaders and members that point each other to him. I thank him, and to him be the glory. My name is Larry Ferris, and I've been um, at Christ Covenant. Our family's been at Christ Covenant for the last 15 years. And the longer I'm a Christian, the more I love the gospel. And because as the glory of the gospel continues to unfold over the years, I'm more aware of my need for it and for God's grace to me. And my view of the local church has been similar. I've grown to love this church and to see this body as an essential gift of grace to me and my family. Over the past 15 years at Christ Covenant, the cumulative effect of over 700 Christ-centered sermons on my soul and the lives of my family are incalculable. The sowing of God's word into the hearts, our hearts each week has challenged and grown us. My wife, Marcia, and I have watched our kids grow both physically and spiritually, and we're so thankful to God for those who have faithfully ministered to us and for the opportunity to use our gifts to serve others. God has been so gracious to all of us by giving us a godly pastor and shepherd who faithfully labors over the word for the sake of our souls each week. We've enjoyed excellent music, care groups, women's and men's ministries, Sunday school, nursery care, youth group. We are thankful for our associate pastors, our secretary, our elders, and the care that has been shown to us over the years by godly brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm so grateful to God for the manifold gift of his grace to our family through this local body. My name is Wimong, and my family and I have been at Christ Covenant Church for over five years and a half. And this church has helped me in so many ways, but I will just touch a little bit. I remember my boss and I had a little conflict, and when the women Bible study went through the studies of John, I mean James chapter 1, verse 1 and 19, it really confused me. And then I went back to my boss. I said, if I don't go and talk to him, just by standing before him, if I pray, God is not going to answer my prayers. So I went back and told him, I am so sorry. If I have ever said something to you that went wrong, forgive me, I'm sorry. And then that didn't change the situation. (laughs) This was so tough. It was tough. Many days I would kneel down and cry and pray, Lord, will you please restore peace, happiness, togetherness in our department? I pray every day. I cry. And every day I go, we will pray. But that didn't help. We kept trying, kept pressing on. And one day, Pastor Tom preached from the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 19 to 20. That day I said, Lord, I think, Pastor, you are preaching on me. 
because I was so touched, and that day I received peace after that preaching. Because after Pastor preached, I remember him saying, do not fear me. Fear God because God's war is the final war in your life. So whatever situation we go through, it's not what men say about us, but it's what God thinks about us, our heart. And I was really converted that day. And as of that day, when I went back to work, I would just sing. And people would say, wow, you just sing all day. I say, yes, kiss me out of trouble. And I would, <laughs> I would just sing, sing, sing. The songwriters say, God has the final sin. Jehovah has the final sin. Who has the final sin? He made a way for me, made a way for you, and he made a way for all of us. Jehovah has the final sin. Every day I would sing that song. It would just, I would just keep meditating on God, and I would live from work peacefully. Some days, it's Friday. I'm happy it's Friday, but before the evening, I'm already worried, oh, it's going to be Monday after two days. That's how bad it was. But just studying God's word from other fellow believers in this church, my care group, my women Bible studies, my small group, just the preaching has really helped me grow in God's word, to trust him more, to just believe in him, and I know who God is in my life through this church. I just want to bless you. I tell you, thank you for everything. Keep up the good work because your reward is in heaven. I just thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Hi, my name is Georgina Anak. Um, I've been to Christ Covenant Church for four years. Um, this church has been God sent for me. And um, I want to say thank you for all of you, your kind, your love. I can't thank you enough. But every day in my heart, I say, God bless each and every one of you. Pastor Tom and Karen, I'm sorry, they knock my door night, morning, rain or shine. And I know it's all because of the love they have for God, they have for me and my family. And my family is alive because of you all. And I say thank you so much. Nobody can reward you, but God Almighty will reward you as his time. God can do anything, anytime, anyway, because he is the greater, he is the mighty, and he is the true. Thank you, and God bless you all. Hi, my name is Josh Cribbs, and my wife Becky and I have been here for uh, a little over three years since we moved to Raleigh here at Christ Covenant. And we've been blessed by so many things, but I wanted to speak particularly to the preaching and teaching we've heard here at Christ Covenant. Um, as you're probably aware, if you've been here any length of time, it's both theologically rich in ex uh, expounding the glory of God and uh, the wonder of the gospel, but also very practical and very uh, helpful in exhorting us in godliness. And um, those things may seem like a contradiction or things that are distinct, but we have found, as I'm sure you have, that that the, the one fuels the other, the uh, focus on the glory of God and the, and the theological depth um, and the gospel in particular fuels our love for God and neighbor and desire to obey him. And um, so we've been very blessed by that. The, 
as you also know, the teaching in terms of application and exhortation is very specific. So you don't get to go home and kind of generalize and rationalize to yourself. I'm doing fine in this area or that. Um, I have found and my wife has found that um, it's very specific, even dealing with sins of the heart, so that we often come away very challenged and humbled and um, aware of our need to repent and seek God's grace to grow in very specific areas of sin in our lives. And that has had very, um, I think, tangible effect in our hearts as we've, um, by God's grace, grown in Christ-likeness, not as rapidly as we'd like, but steadily nonetheless. So um, we just want to give glory to God and, uh, and, and thanks for the faithfulness of the, the leaders at the church, um, uh, the preaching and the teaching, and then also to all of you, the members, for the love you've shown us in Christ. Thank you. My name is Lindsay O'Dell. I'm an elder at Christ Church Rollsville, our, the first church plant from Christ Covenant Church. I say first implying that there's going to be many, many more down the road. Um, the old adage goes, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I start with, I started attending here uh, just before their first year anniversary. So I've been at Christ Covenant Church that was CLF uh, for 22-ish years and then went on the church plant. So I've been up there for a little bit more than two years. Uh, as the old adage goes, hindsight is twenty twenty meaning that once you're past a situation, you can look back on it and see details with incredible clarity. One example of that is that in hindsight, it's very clear that I should have started growing this nice beard many, many years ago. (laughs) The best example, though, the best example is that in hindsight, it was very clear that over the past 25 years, God has been pouring out his grace on Christ Covenant Church. It's his grace that grew us in our love for God's glory. We don't naturally embrace God's sovereignty and everything. We don't naturally soak ourselves in the scripture. It's God's grace that grew us in that. It's God's grace that grew us in our love for his people. This many ages and races and backgrounds don't come together except for God's grace displayed in the cross. And finally, it's his grace that grew us so that we can go out in love to God's world. God's grace grew us in spiritual maturity and size such that we could actually plant a whole other church just north of here in Rollsville that I'm a part of. But we didn't plant a church. God planted a church through us. And to him be the glory for that. It was God's grace that Smooth the paths for this new church. I can attest that he removed obstacles and, and created uh, smooth paths for us and went ahead of us. It was God's grace that created fruitful relationships in the town of Rollsville uh, with the elementary school, the high school. The mayor requests us to lead prayer breakfasts. And it's by God's grace that we at Christ Church Rollsville are, going, are growing in our love for God's glory growing in our love for God's people. And we pray by God's grace that someday we would go out like Christ Covenant Church did and plant a church through us. Please join with us in praying that God's grace would continue to grow all of us at Christ, Co- Christ Church Rollsville. Freudian slip, sorry. It's taken me two years to try and get rid of that. Thank you. To God be the glory for planting a church somewhere. Well, it is, uh, I don't always do well with uh, 
celebrations, it's a lot of emotion packed on a situation, and uh, you want to say it all right, you want to feel it and experience it and think back, and uh, there has been so much that God has done here and through you, and, and through you to Carol and I and my entire family. Um, I think we do right to celebrate and to enjoy all that God's done. Um, I want to I wanna look forward a little bit with you right now, though, because as we look back over these 25 years of how God's faithfulness has been displayed through his grace to us, I, I want to look forward to 75 years when all of us probably won't be here. Uh, but we'd like to see uh, believers through this church still giving thanks to God for the faithfulness of this church that was planted 25 years ago. And, uh, and to do that, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because I think Paul's explaining to us how the church grows. And so I just want to very briefly bring up a few points of how Paul teaches us how the church will continue to grow as we've just testified. And, th- and then I'd like to just look at how we're going to respond today to this grace that God has given to us. But this is a sobering, I think, encouraging, and I think um, rightly orienting passage and that I think people have been giving word to. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, starting in verse 5, he says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace God has given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So we see three things here, just briefly about planning a church, considering the nature of the church. It's simply this, that, that God builds his church through servants that we've given testimony to. God builds his church through servants. God is the one that causes the growth to be mediated through these servants, and that God ultimately will only build the church on the gospel of his son. So those three things. First, let me pull apart the first one. God builds his church through servants. It's really incredible. The irony is that's part of the problem. You know, when you look at the letter of 1 Corinthians, it was about all the conflict that they had between people. And this church had more holes in it than a block of Swiss cheese. It had a lot of problems. It had problems over lawsuits. It had problems over sexual immorality. It had problems over the Lord's Supper. It had problems over the spiritual gifts. And and none of the least, it, it had problems over their leaders. People were getting behind certain leaders, kind of like superheroes of the church. In fact, earlier in the chapter 3, he says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people. So Paul is chastising this church. He's saying, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? So Paul is literally... He's challenging them that they're almost walking in practical atheism as it regards the church. They didn't even see God in the church. They just saw the human leaders in the church rather than God. And so Paul goes after these attitudes, and he begins to, he begins to 
draw the light away from leaders and put it on God. Because any time the light goes to the leader and not to God, the church is threatened, and the church is precariously teetering on destruction and disaster. Now, now no doubt, when he says this, what is Apollos, what is Paul? Only servants through whom you, you have believed. Now, this is significant. Hey, let's be honest. Paul was gifted greatly. He came and he planted a church in a whole other place. Corinth, he plants a church, and by God's grace, it begins to grow. Apollos came there and he stayed after Paul, preaching the gospel, strengthening the church. So these men were greatly used of God. But remember what Paul says, we're only servants. And that word for servant is like a family waiter. It's like a busboy. It's like a position of no repute. He says they're only servants. That's all they are. He's trying to draw the attention back to God. He's saying, we're one. You know, whether you water or whether you plant, you're one. We have the same goal. We don't want to lift people over one from another. And so I think the first lesson that Paul's saying is simply this, is yes, we thank God for the leaders, and we thank God for all the people he's put in our life, but it's God who gives the increase. That is, that's so good. He's honored us to allow us to participate, but at the end of the day, God gives the growth. That's the second point I think that Paul is making, is that God builds his church by his power. Notice what he says twice. He says this, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. That's pretty significant, and it's pretty clear. They are nothing, but God gives increase. He's not saying they're not essential or they're not important. If you're a farmer, planting and watering is very significant. But he's simply drawing the light to God. And he's saying, but he has to give it the growth. He has to germinate. He has to generate that growth so that the church begins to move forward. Only God can do this. Only God can open the dark, the darkened eyes with the light of the gospel. Only God can cause the lame to walk and the deaf to hear. Only God can do that. It, it, this divine mystery of how we've come to faith in Christ and then grow up in Christ, that's all of God. Remember in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes this to the church. He says, God made you alive in Christ while you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Is that not amazing? That God resurrected our deadened souls with the gospel. I'd heard the gospel many times. Many of you had. But then one day, makes sense. It leads to conviction and conversion. And all of a sudden, what you heard before, now you heard again, but now it makes sense and you repent. And you turn to God by faith. And your heart is filled with joy over this renewed relationship with God. God gives life. He's the one that generates. But God, who works through servants with his power, builds his church on the foundation of the gospel. Think about it. Paul shifts. If you noticed, in 5 to 9, he was using kind of an agricultural metaphor Now he shifts to an architectural metaphor. So he's looking at the church as a field that's been planted, but then he shifts to the church like a building that's being constructed. And this building is built on a foundation, foundation of Jesus Christ. What's this mean? Well, we all know what a foundation is. I mean, a foundation holds the whole building up. A foundation sets the direction of the building. In a way, the foundation really really pervades the whole structure itself. A foundation is absolutely essential. 
it is remarkable how quickly we can forget about the foundation. We can actually look at the house and enjoy the house and just kind of be mesmerized by the beauty of the house without ever giving an ounce of credit to the foundation. And yet the foundation upon which the church is built is Christ. It's the gospel. It's God moving with grace to us in the person of Christ. Saving a people who could never save themselves, he sent one to save by becoming for us our sin bearer, taking our sin and our shame and our guilt and bearing the full wrath of God so that God would be both just in forgiving us and justifier in drawing us to himself. When we talk about Jesus being the foundation, we have always wanted this church to be centered on that, our ministry, our teaching, our outreach, our missions, that it would all be in the declaration of Christ. I mean, if you think about Christ, there is nothing that God has done apart from his son. I mean, the whole Old Testament, the promises, Genesis 3.15, about this, about this seed coming that was going to crush the heel of the serpent, it's all about Christ. It was promised, the prophets and all the prophecies and all the whole Old Testament. Jesus says in Luke 24 and John 5, it all spoke about him. Jesus is the epicenter of God's whole redemptive history, and so he should be the epicenter of this place as well. I mean, think about it. All of God's work is done in and through Christ, that the fullness of God is seen in Christ in every way. And as we're drawn to Christ, we're drawn to God, that in union with Christ we have all things. So when you talk about building the church, we need people. We need you. That's how God builds his church. But God has to bring power through his people built upon the gospel. And those are really the three things that I think we'll never lose. I pray that we'll never lose. And if we never lose those things, they'll be celebrating in 75 years. So how do we respond then to this? So let me just give you some... some so that's kind of God's move. He raises up the people, he gives them power, and they build it on the gospel. Thankful for that. How do we respond? Well, let me just give you a few kind of kind of takeaway points here. First, I would say that I think we ought to rejoice over God's servants. I mean, it does say in the text, he says that the Lord has assigned each to his task. In other words, we do well to recognize the grace of God in our lives. So many of you have touched so many other people in this church. I mean, God has used you for the building up of this body. I want to be thankful for that. I want to give testimony to it as has been already. The fact that God has adjusted, oriented, and challenged challenged and changed us through one another. I always want to steer clear of two errors. We never want to make too much of leaders. We never want to be over-infatuated with leaders. And we do have the threat in this day of the Internet age. I mean, things can go out so fast and so broadly that we often begin to think if he's gifted more or this... You know, we, we can kind of look at men and women as more than they are because the scripture keeps calling us, they're nothing. God gives the growth. At the same time, we don't want to slip off the other side of the rails and fail to appreciate the work and the service and the diligence that they've done. So as you heard from Pastor Charles Moore, I'm thankful for him. He was diligent. He was courageous to lead a very small group of people in this church plant. And, and I'm thankful. I stand on the shoulders of his work, no doubt about that. But I'm thankful for the faithful folks that he left behind. That when he left and Carol and I came here, it was a sweet group. It was a small group. We're not a lot of kids here. 
But both Carol and I left on that day that we candidated here. We said, they have faith. They, we saw a clear and evidenced faith that we thought God will honor faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I saw that they were pleasing him. And now as I've seen their faithfulness meted out over all these years, I'm very thankful. I mean, God has done a great work in the, in the original members of this, of this church plant. So we do well to give thanks. And folks, I just want to encourage you. I mean, speak to one another. about. It is so neat to hear when someone speaks to another about the grace of God that they've experienced from the life that they've lived. So let's be verbal about that. Let's give God honor by testifying of his grace to other people. But secondly, I also think we need to boast in God. I want to be a people that really do boast in God, rejoice over God. I mean, all that God has done in waking us up. I think about the idea of first, or in uh, John chapter 112, he says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if you're here today and you've received Christ, you have believed in his name, it's the same group, you are a child of God. But then John quickly in verse 13 says, but your children born, your children, this is how you've been born, not of human descent, as if it's some ethnicity, not of human decision, as if you just, it dawned on you, hey, I want to become a Christian today, nor by a, by a husband's will in a patriarchal society. It isn't done that way, but you're born of God. So if you're a believer here, God has given you life. And so I think Paul's point is let's make much of God because God has woken us up. God has So in this church, God is the one that gives the increase. Now, we may use things. We may have means that we use, try to improve our music, try to preach well, try to organize ourselves appropriately, have good outreaches. All those things are important, but that's not what causes the growth. We never want to trust in those things. We may use certain things, but we just don't want to trust in them. We want to trust that God will give the growth. And so I'd ask you to join with me that we always trust in God. That if you want this church to continue to grow and thrive, not just by people coming to faith in Christ, but people growing in Christ, let's make much of God. He is really worth it, and he has done all this work, and I'm thankful. But we also, thirdly, we want to labor diligently before God, knowing that he'll reward us. Did you notice in here, in the passage, he says this in verse 8, he says, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. That has encouraged me so deeply that, first off, whether you water or whether you plant, God assigns the task. So let's say you're a great speaker and someone else can't speak. It doesn't matter. God has given those different gifts to people for his purposes. Let's rejoice in that. But he's not rewarding us according to what we produce. You know, we are in a performance-dominated world where if you produce, you're valued. But notice what he says here. Each will be rewarded according to their labor. In other words, the diligence, the striving. You're identifying your gifts. You're using them in ministry. It may be something more secondary or background, but that's just as important as I read this verse. So let's not be discouraged. I, I love when teachers are laboring with kids in the education program. I'm not, this isn't a backhanded plea. We need leaders and we need teachers. This isn't, I'm not doing that. Um, 
But I love it because you don't see immediate fruit all the time. And, and the encouragement is we will be rewarded according to our labors. That, that even though we don't see the immediate fruit, that doesn't mean God is not moving and causing growth. Think about at the end of chapter 15, in the same book, Paul says, brothers and sisters, be steadfast, be immovable. Know that your work and your labor in the Lord is never in vain. In other words, what you do for the glory of God toward another cannot be in vain. It will be effective. It will achieve something for his glory. And you'll be rewarded for it. He wants us to labor for those rewards. It's not as a mercenary thing, like we're gathering up more presents than other people. It's more of God. And then I would say this as well. How we can respond to this is we can maintain a sharp focus on the gospel. You know, if you notice, he says this. He warns us in chapter 10, and this is going forward now as a church. He says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. We want to maintain a focus on the gospel. You know, the gospel is spoken of much here, and so it should be. In fact, we're going to be singing about it the day that we see him. We're going to say, worthy, worthy is the lamb with his blood. He purchased men and women for God from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We're going to be singing about the gospel. The gospel is so essential, not just to save the sinner, but to secure the saint. I mean, think about the gospel. It keeps us from legalism, thinking about all the things that we have to do to somehow earn God's favor. The gospel says, no way. You are righteous because of Christ. It also keeps us from despair, doesn't it? Some of you are struggling and struggling and and trying to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, and you fail and you fail. The gospel continues to be a firm foundation for you to stand on because you come back and you say, is Christ's sacrifice sufficient for me even though I continue to walk in sin? And you can hear from heaven, yes, because he's pleased in the Son, and therefore he'll be pleased in you. There's great hope. We want to always focus on the gospel. If we take our eyes off the gospel, we will not last long. There'll be no party in 75 years. The gospel is the foundation. And then, and then last, I would say that God does have a plan for this church. We want to celebrate God because even though the church grows, you know, we're in this age of, of huge and big and glitzy and beautiful. And sometimes the church that may be as smaller is somehow seen as, as less significant. God has a plan for every church. And, and, the, and it's, often a slow, it's often a slow bake. You know, the tortoise and the hare? Just keep reminding yourself who won the race. You know, the, the tortoise, it's kind of a slow, methodical, but, it, but God is working out his purposes for us. And what I love about the church is it's a reminder to us that God is going to bring about his plan in full measure, both in the life of this church, but in the life of your soul, you will be perfected. I think about in Ephesians chapter 1 when Paul says that before the foundations of the world, we were chosen to be holy and blameless in Christ. Before the foundation, you were chosen. You will be. You will be holy and blameless, even if it's on that day that you see him face to face, and you'll be like him because you'll see him as he is. That's the promise. That's the plan. Remember a few weeks back, I reminded you of of, you know, when they would build cathedrals in the Middle Ages. Cathedrals could take anywhere from, well, very few took two or three generations. One took as long as 600 years. Well, think about that building. Keep in your mind that the people laying the stones for the foundation would never know the roofers. 
But it's the same cathedral, but it's just slow, generationally, incrementally, building itself into a full building. That's what the church is. We join hands with those before. Many of the saints uh, that were here when we came here, they're not here. They're in glory right now. And, and, and people are going to be serving God after we leave. So try to think of yourself in, in the scope of God's redemptive plan, how he is building something for himself and for his glory, and we are a part of that. And last, we want to rest in God when we think about this because he says we're God's field and we're God's building. You belong to God now. I belong to God, and God belongs to us. Think about Psalm 100 when he says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people. I mean, the church belongs to God. I mean, just let that kind of sink down in your soul a bit. We belong to him. Nobody can take you from him. He will never push you away. Being part of the church is being part of his people. We belong to him. And for that, we can rejoice. So there's much to be thankful for over these past 25 years. I pray that there's going to be much to be thankful for over the next 25 years. And it's going to be as we continue to serve him and serve one another, trusting in him alone for his power to cause the increase increase, and all to be built on Christ. So let me pray for us and thank God for the work that he has done. I know that many of you could have come up here and testified to God's great grace in your life. And uh, we'll have that day. I believe that day will come about in glory when everybody will speak to the greatness of God to one another. And that'll be a day. uh, That'll be a day to behold. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you and praise you for your grace in Christ that you have poured out. You have lavished on us with great grace. We are overwhelmed. Father, thank you for this day, for for a day to stop and reflect and contemplate your mercy to us, how you have persevered this church in joy through its very humble, kind of even uncertain beginnings to bringing us to a point that we are now. But Father, we're still humbled by your mercy because we need your growth and your power to continue. Father, we want to serve We want to do it well, but we know that it is only you that caused the increase. So, Father, would you bring increase to us? Not simply more people hearing the gospel and turning by faith, but our own souls would increase with a love for you, a desire for your glory to be manifest in our life and in our church. Father, would you cause the increase? Would you cause us to be hungry that, that you would do that, that we would be seeking you alone for that increase, and that it would come through through the gospel as we meditate on Christ, being changed from glory to glory to glory. Father, do a work, and that, that we would long for you to come back, that we could see you face to face. Father, you have to do this. For apart from you, we can do nothing. But Father, by your grace and for your glory, uh, use us for your purposes in this place, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.